eyes peeled, everyone. It's time for the full 10 Yards College Football Podcast. Welcome to the Full 10 Yards College Football Podcast. We're back for the final scouting podcast of our first round, final position that we're going to hit up today. And obviously that means quarterbacks and hopefully going to bring you some names that, well, of course, that you'll know, but obviously, hopefully in the last uh, little bit of the podcast, we'll bring you some names that will be making some impact on the NFL uh, from a mid or late round uh, start to their careers. Welcome in, um, guys. We've got Rob, Andy, Kieran and Liam. So, Kieran, we'll start with you, mate. How are you joining us for a rare appearance on the Scouting Pod? Yeah, mate, not bad, actually. Thanks yeah. for asking. It's, uh... looking, looking out for the quarterback of the future for the Patriots? Oh, I don't know. don't know if Zach Wilson's going to be there for us, to be honest. But it's all right. got 17 inches of snow right now, so if all goes badly, I can just drown myself. <laughs> drown yourself in snow. Sounds like a horrible way to go, to be honest with you. Um, right, so yeah, we'll start where we usually do, um, talking about what we like to see in a quarterback. Um, I guess this is one's kind of obvious, but uh, Rob, we'll start with you up at the top there on the screen. Yeah, uh, for, for me, quarterback's obviously been the, the most important position on the field, arguably, because I'm sure you'll, you'll want to say some defensive players are pretty important. But I think it's uh, fair to say that the quarterback being the highest paid position, uh, the centrepiece of, of many, well, every team, um, I, I'm looking for for arm talent, purely that, um, you know, I want someone who can move the ball efficiently. I want someone who's accurate. Um, I'm looking, but in, in today's NFL, and this is what I've been looking a lot at today with the, with the guy that I've, I've been scouting, um, is mobility. The, the NFL is reliant so much now on mobility. You see the Lamar Jacksons of the world, the Patrick Mahomes, they use their feet more than ever now. And that's key for these fresh players coming out of college is, is to be able to be productive with your feet as well as your arm. So you're looking for a good blend, arm strength, arm accuracy, good with the legs. That's, that's the three sort of key things that I look for. Yeah, I think we've mentioned it a few times, haven't we, about the, the modern NFL and how, how it's trending towards that. Yeah. Um, Andy, I think you were the first person to kind of bring up that. So have you got anything to add to that at all? Or is that pretty much hitting the nail on the head for you? Well, I'm going to point to the, the, the man behind me who's fantastic quarterback, but also you need... The goat! There we go, James Winston. But that also brings me to the fact that you need to be a very good decision maker. And as much as uh, James has probably got the aforementioned things by Rob, uh, one the, the the downside could be the, uh, the decision making, couldn't it? So that that for me is really important. You've got to go through your reads really well. Um, you know, you've got to do that before the snap and afterwards. Um, just kind of awareness and, and like general like football IQ is just vital. Um, there's a reason that the Tom Brady's and Peyton Manning's are uh, head and shoulders above other people in in the NFL uh, kind of rankings in terms of quarterback, and that's their kind of ability to read the game and, and process it. So that's the important. For me, maybe a bit of laser surgery. We'll maybe see next yes. year that that <laughs> might it. come into come well, into might go, go the other way quickly as well with the tour jersey. But that's uh, <laughs> that's not having your hip broken or whatever it was beforehand. <laughs> yeah, it always helps, doesn't it? Having the two working <laughs> two working hips for sure. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> Liam, what about yourself? I'll come to you next. Anything to add? Oh, uh, just uh, yeah, we can add a few things. Just. Um... I know that um, movement is key now, but I do like and still like a bit of pocket awareness. You you can 
move a, a, a defense with good pocket awareness you, you can just take a step or two to get yourself out of trouble as well and then set your feet when you're throwing it's really important to look at footwork when they're throwing how they plant their feet and poise in the in the pocket and read of the field keeping your eyes downfield um to what others have, have said really like a um like the strong arm accuracy um i can't really add any more to what's been said apart from that Kieran, what about you? Anything, anything to add? What body part do you like your quarterbacks to be working well? I was about to say the most important part of any quarterback is mechanics. And if you have an argument against that, then I will point you to Josh Allen's second season in the NFL and his latest season. He improved his mechanics and it really showed on the field. He was making throws he definitely couldn't have made the year before. And that is 100% down to mechanics. He became more accurate. He became more surgical. And that is all because of the adjustments he made in the offseason to his mechanics. It's about all the body parts working in sync all together, all going in the same direction kind of thing. Yeah. You need your feet to work with your hips, your hips to work with your shoulders, your arms to work. I know you're going to roast me for hips. I, <laughs> I tried but, to muffle my smile. When I, you know, like, like Liam mentioned, you need to learn how to uh, plant your feet properly. And then when you plant your feet correctly, the fluid, uh, the throw motion goes through your hips up into your arms and that enables you to make accurate throws we've seen Carson Wentz for example been very inaccurate but you'll notice a lot when he throws he pigeon toes a lot he doesn't set his feet correctly and and, and that's what a lot of quarterbacks make the mistake with in terms of their mechanics being off I want to ask I know it's not American football related but just thinking back to that Happy Gilmore scene where he's saying it's all in the hips with chubs is it your favorite film <laughs> never seen it ah uh, come on you definitely have I- Honestly, not really. It's Adam Sandler, right? Not right, really yeah. a fan of him. I think he's a bit, a bit terrible at acting. And <laughs> I've seen Longest Yard, but that's about it. Fair he's enough. too young. He's too young for it. What is going on? I'm nearly <laughs> thirty, mate. What do you mean? <laughs> mate, I'm too young in here, then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Kieran, I just want to pick you up very, very briefly, just on something you just mentioned. What does pigeon toe mean? Just for anyone who doesn't know. So, when a quarterback set their feet. They need to, oh, it's going to be so hard to explain. You need to set your plant foot, your lead leg, at the same direction as where you're throwing. Mm-hmm. Some guys like Carson Wentz pigeon toe and keep their lead uh, set in foot inside of what the target, and it causes throws to be erratic, errant, they're, they're inaccurate. It's, it leads to a lot of problems when you're making throws because you're not able to maximize the energy that's coming through your hips correctly. And it is a big difference between a ball landing right here for a receiver or going over his head, him potentially fumble it and it getting intercepted. Mm-hmm. And just to kind of, obviously we're not a visual medium, but that, when you were pointing the first time, it was right between the numbers, right? Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, no, thanks for that. Just for a little bit of terminology for anyone who wasn't aware of that. Um, the only thing I, I don't think anyone's mentioned it is ball placement. Just having that nuance of where the ball actually goes in terms of where Kieran's talking about, you know, if you're wanting to sort of get some yards after the catch, does he lead the wide receiver or the receiver in general to that direction? Or is it behind him? He's having to twist around, stop his momentum, and then he's getting tackled. But I think you guys covered it beautifully. Uh, the rest, otherwise, it's the only thing I'd kind of add in. Um, so yeah, let's get into it then. We've all got a quarterback each, and you've got two. So do you want to go first, and then we'll kind of sandwich as we've been doing? Yep, sounds good to me. And I'll start with a guy who kind of um, epitomises some of the um, <clears throat> the kind of like more traditional elements we were just talking about. 
uh, in what we're looking for. I'll start with Matt Jones, uh, obviously the Alabama quarterback this year. Um, three-star recruit out of Jacksonville. Um, probably quite glad that he's, he's not going there and he's uh, one of the other guys that we're going to talk about is. Um, interesting offer sheet, actually. Uh, Kentucky, Baylor, Boston College, not really any of the other big guys apart from Alabama. So, um, you know, I can see why he jumped at that opportunity. Obviously came in in relief of Tua um, in the 2019 season when Tua had his hip injury. Uh, went on to kind of compete for the Heisman Trophy um, this past season with his uh, with his colleague Devonta Smith. Um, Redshirt junior, by the way, as well. Uh, lots to like about Jones. Um, it, it's like people are concerned. I've seen people having him uh, all over the shop here, not, not in the top two or three, but then when you get into that secondary group, he's at the top of some people's secondary group or he's always rock bottom in others. Um, but what you can't dispute in his game is he throws with fantastic anticipation, kind of sees where the guys are going to be uh, before they get there. He passes people open as well, kind of, you know, slotting into those tight windows and uh, and, and making the game like, easier for his receivers, for sure. Um, very consistent accuracy at all levels, as we've seen this year. Uh, again, the, the, the kind of knock I had, I had against Devonta Smith when we discussed him was he was wide open all the time. And that's that's like nothing but the scheme's fault. But Jones is making all those throws with no problems whatsoever. The next thing, going back to what Liam said, was that elite pocket presence. You can't argue that Jones has got that either. He plants his feet, he gets up, he avoids the rush. He's aware of the, the blind side and, and who's coming from that side as well. So very good uh, in, the, in the pocket. He's very calm under pressure as well. Seen him like, take, the, take the, um, the, the Crimson Tide all the way this year. And, and that's a, a lot of that was on his shoulders, uh, even though he's got that kind of elite support and cast. He reads the field well pre-snap. You can see him kind of checking at the line and that sort of thing. So he's already kind of in that pro-style mentality. Um, like quite key to the modern game as well as the kind of run-pass option. And he, and he plays that well, uh, you know, getting those that, the ball out of his hands quickly to the slant option or, or making the right decision to hand it off. Uh, and quite importantly as well, team captain uh, in 2020. So, you know, got that step up straight away, having come in in 2019 to, to one of the main guys on Alabama's roster. Um, flipping to the weaknesses and a lot of people have made a big deal out of this sort of stuff and the, the main thing is just the athleticism isn't it I mean he's got that kind of Tom Brady style frame when when you know that the picture you see in the in the draft pictures that's, that's not the kind of thing you'd associate with an elite athlete but from all accounts and purposes he seems to be working on that this offseason and really slimming down and we'll obviously see pro day probably where he's uh, he's looking a bit more refined than than you know that picture that's doing the rounds on the internet um, I think uh, you might, might, others might disagree. I think there's a bit. It's an average arm strength. I mean, you can, um, he, you know, he can make all the throws when he's got his feet planted in the, in the pocket. But when he's throwing off balance, uh, you know, it's not not the best uh, arm talent downfield. Uh, can get get short and intermediate fine, but then beyond that, the velocity kind of drops a bit. Um, a lot of like under throws on deep balls on tape. Um, I mean, by a lot, you know, there's not not loads, but you know, one or two a game where he's kind of underthrowing his target, his targets coming back to the ball, and with, with people like Devonta Smith catching the ball, it doesn't show up as a problem that often. Um, and then I also noticed, which uh, which I kind of picked up on, was just a bit of a lazy footwork as the game sort of starts to go on. I think, obviously, when you're the Alabama quarterback, it's probably quite easy to get a bit complacent as you're going on and, and racking up these huge things. So a bit of laziness on footwork in the in the uh, third, back end of the third, fourth quarter as, as things are just getting becoming dump-offs and that sort of stuff. And, and obviously, the accuracy gets a bit errant there as well. So, yeah, uh, all in all, I think Jones is 
like a very good NFL prospect. I think he needs to work on that athleticism, especially outside the pocket. Um, you know, back end of the first, can easily see that um, probably comfortably at the top end of the second, if not. You've mentioned there that you think he's a good NFL prospect. What's his ceiling? Because I think that's what I, I struggle with sometimes with Jones, is that I'm feeling how far can he actually go? What do you reckon? Because obviously you cover quarterbacks in the guide, hence why I've got two quarterbacks today. Yeah, I mean, sorry. For me, it's kind of, I don't know, like, obviously, I always go back to Miami players, but looking at Ryan Tannehill, um, you know, Ryan Tannehill is not going to set the world on fire uh, in the wrong scheme, as we saw for however many years in, in Miami's scheme. But when you flip him into that that kind of, um, that, that t- Tennessee offense, he's just clicked straight away. Um, he's got the kind of run game to support him. And that's taken a lot of the pressure off his off his arm talent and decision making. So that kind of level there, where he's supported by a great running game, um, you know, and he's not expected to make every throw in the book, but he can be relied on to to come up trumps when it's needed. That the kind of thing there. You're not looking at like I know Mahomes. No one's looking at the kind of Mahomes level, but you're not looking at a guy that's going to pull your team through by himself. Uh, you know, like uh, if you give it, put him on the Dolphins roster last season, throw into to garbage men and, and like practice squad people, then it, it's not going to work. And, I think, like you know, I think Tua would have done a better, did a better job than Jones would have done in that situation. So yeah, I think he needs that kind of run game to to offset it. So more of like a point guard rather than you sort of like guy who's gonna like say put the team on his back and win a game. Yeah, for sure. He can do everything right, can't he? I mean, he's not he's not a bad player, um, and that's why he's a good prospect. But like, I, I wouldn't, I, you know, I'm not seeing like Brady in the last few years where you know he hasn't had a receiving cast and he's still got to the playoffs and the Super Bowl. I'm not seeing that. I think it needs to be built around him. Hmm. Yeah, but like I say, could could do a job for someone um, and at least be a decent starter at the NFL level. I think that's kind of what we're seeing out of him um, in terms of his draft position and the kind of draft stock that he's kind of holding at the minute. And um, Kieran, we'll come to you. Uh, you seem to have a, a quarterback who's kind of in the same sort of space and tier. Um, I disagree. I think okay. he's a lot better than Mac Jones personally. And. I'm going to give you the reasons why. But when you look at him, he is a prototypical quarterback, the sort of tip, uh, movie book quarterback, um, movie book, um, movie star quarterback. You see he's six foot five, 239 pounds. He's big, he's long. Uh, but I will say this, he he knows how to persevere. He's stuck in there. He didn't start to, he was a red shirt junior, which is already three, four years at college, which is ridiculous that he's, he's stuck with it that long. And he, he knew this was the system uh, he's want to be in, but he's a great leader. And that's, I think something that you need to look for in a quarterback. The, the whole point of a quarterback there is to be leading the team and he can make the throws as well. Now the biggest gripe I actually had with Kyle Trask partway through this going into this season, but he kind of, he kind of fixed it towards the end of the season. I was very impressed how how he he matured and evolved there. But he did have a tendency that if he couldn't find a receiver within two seconds, he'd just tuck the ball and be off uh, and just try and took what he can, which isn't going to work in the NFL, especially when your throwing windows typically are two and a half seconds. That's sort of the ideal, ideal time you need to get the ball out. And, you know, he, he, he kind of panicked at times and just tucked the ball and took off running. And he's not, you know, he's he's not he's not the fastest dude out there, but he's obviously a bit more athletic than Mac Jones. Um, but yeah, he he because he doesn't quite have that athleticism to make all the off-script plays like a Lamar Jackson or something like that could. But he has very good mechanics, a very solid arm, and 
he progresses through his reads fairly quickly. The big problem he has is he can't come back to his primary read sometimes to check if they're still open, which is, like I said, sometimes he would just take off running. Uh, but he has had not the best supporting cast in Florida. I'm going to be honest. I know this is going to hurt you guys who are big on Kadarius Tony, but he ha- he's had Kyle Pitts there, but you can't throw the two guys all, all game. And you've seen Kyle Pitts was getting a lot of coverages from people because they knew what he could do. Now, if you put him in like a West Coast offense, he's going to be great because it's not trying to make him what he's not. He's going to make dink and dunk passes. He's going to pick out tight ends relatively easily and he's going to move down the field. Now, what I like about him is what I liked about Dwayne Haskins, which is a terrible comparison to make at this point. But Dwayne Haskins at Ohio State was very good at dinking and dunking. Trask is very good at that. Trask is good. He's Brady-esque in the way he takes whatever the defense gives him. Uh, does have trouble maybe making the bigger plays down the field. But if a guy's open, he's going to go for it. A lot of the time, he's going to hit it. Now, I don't think the Joe Burrow comparisons are fair to him because you're putting a lot of pressure on a guy who is definitely a mid-first-round pick. I I only say he's better than Mac Jones because he's not had that crazy supporting cast that Mac Jones has had. He's not had two first-round wide receivers. He's not had a first-round running back. He has had a first-round tight end, but that's one guy. Um, Yeah, I just... He, he's a very good quarterback, uh, but I think you need to get him in a system like maybe the Patriots where they're going to give him time to develop. He has a solid offensive line in place where it's not going to cause him to panic and stuff too much. And where you're, where, where the coaching staff is has a reliance on you uh, delivering the designed play, where they're not going to expect you to improvise and get too crazy because, like I said, he's not built for that. Uh, but yeah, he, he's really good quarterback. Like I said, West Coast system fits perfectly something like with a quick rhythm as well because i feel like you see him later in games it feels like he gets in his own head a lot when the snap count gets low and he kind of overthinks things and you know it'd be good to see him in the in the uh, nfl with teams like the patriots and stuff like that but yeah it, yeah I, I like him over a lot of other quarterbacks in this class who aren't called zach wilson um because I think Trask is up there. I just think he needs to go to a system that's going to use him correctly. He's got a bit of Josh Rosen about him in terms that he's got a super high ceiling, but if he gets off to a bumpy start, I think his confidence can really be shaken quite easily. I was just going to say, does it bother you at all, Kieran, that he didn't start a game uh, since 2012, seven years without starting it, like that whatever level he was playing at until 2019? Um, just seems like a bit off to me. Obviously, been plugged into a system where he's... Uh, succeeded this year, can't can't disagree with that. But that's one season since 2012 where this guy's like, you know, led a team of men. So, same thing that happened to Joe Burrow. But then he was obviously playing beforehand, wasn't he? Yeah, look, I, uh, yeah, I see what you mean. Uh, I think in terms of what he has physically, though, in terms of how his mechanics are, how he plants his feet, how he can make reads. You know, he doesn't come back to reads as much as he should do. But he is a very competent quarterback. And like I said, it's Josh Rosen-esque in the terms that he needs the right system to succeed. He is a boom or bust prospect in that regard. Like we see a lot of quarterbacks like, oh, they're boom or bust. Patrick Mahomes is one of them. They treated him right and he's been a boom. But then you get guys like Josh Rosen who, who wasn't treated correctly and he's been a total bust. So I think... If he gets to a system that not only needs a quarterback, but believes that, you know, 
like like I said, a West Coast offense or some some team that's not going to pressure him in to make him big throws immediately and say, hey, we don't expect you to go out and win 16 games this season, 10 games this season and take us to the playoffs. Just go out there, get a feel for it and just play. Uh, I think that's the team that's going to suit him well, because if he has those big expectations thrown on his shoulders early, I think he may crumble. Again, just going back to what you were talking about at the beginning, I'm, I'm going to kind of chuck up the same question to you. Is he more of a facilitator then rather than someone who's going to put the team on his back? And does um, that then limit his ceiling and, and also his draft stock as well? He, he's shown at Florida, and I think Rob can attest to this, he's an incredible leader of men. He really knows how to get his guys pumped up and he is a team player. Uh, and I think maybe... If if you force him to start in his his rookie season, he's going to be nothing more than a game manager. And I think every single bump in the road he hits as a rookie may seriously affect his confidence, despite the fact that he has shown at Florida that he's resilient, he's strong, he's patient, and he can persevere no matter what. So... Yeah, I, I think if you put him in, in in his first year and just expect him to get a feel for the game and be a game manager, that will work out brilliantly for him. But if you if you put him in his rookie year and expect Patrick Mahomes, you know, Joe Burrow levels, uh, Justin Herbert levels of excellence off the bat, it's, it's just not going to happen. Go ahead, Liam. I think uh, this... Um kind of comparison the Mac Jones Kyle Tress discussion is worthwhile because I think they're probably seen by a lot as being the same sort of tier the same sort of value at the moment um I think um Tresk has a few major worries for me I think his deep ball's really inconsistent I think that that's something that will really show up in the 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 pros but I think um I think we're kind of edging towards agreeing on this that he seems to uh, have a higher ceiling than Mac Jones in a way. Um, they're very kind of similar for me at the moment, kind of grade-wise. Um, but uh, yeah, like I said, I think there's a, actually a few more worries with Trask at the moment. So low floor, but high ceiling, or lower floor, should I say? And then Mac Jones is more steady Eddie kind of. Yeah, exactly. Comparable. Yeah, and that's probably why at the moment I probably lean towards Mac Jones at the moment. But um, yeah. Trask in, uh, in the right situation, which is just to what you said and why you asked the question. I think, um, yeah, Trask can certainly make something of an offense and and kind of, yeah, especially kind of the short, medium range stuff. He can he can put drives together for sure. Yeah, see, I mean, it goes back to what we were saying last week, doesn't it, about landing spot and situation. Kieran mm. mentioned, obviously, about Mahomes and things like that. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to be even more key for these tier two guys and, and the sleepers that we pick and um, we'll talk about later on that these kind of land in the right situation. You know, we've seen mid-round sleepers. I mean, obviously, Liam, you're a Seahawks fan, so you've got Russell Wilson, who's been a mid-round guy and has made a great career of it. And also, you know, we've got Dak Prescott and maybe one or two others around the league. But um, it's it's lightning in a bottle time, isn't it? It's, it's very rare that happens. And, and these guys are going to fall into that category, I feel. We'll move up to the tiers into we're getting up towards the higher echelons now, talking about these final three guys. We'll come back to Andy for a bit of a wild card of the mix. Rob, we'll come to you uh, next for your uh, your quarterback. Yeah, um, I've got Justin Fields uh, from Ohio, the Ohio State University, Kieran, isn't it? The Ohio State University. Um, <laughs> Fields is a dual threat quarterback or pocket passer. Um, he can be described as well. He's, he's pretty much 
is a pretty good all-rounder, to be quite honest. Uh, out of Harrison High School in Georgia, was the number two recruit in the country in 2018 behind a certain Trevor Lawrence. Don't know whether you've heard of him. Um, tons of offers out of high school, absolutely tons. But interestingly, they included Harvard and Yale. So it just gives you a bit of a back, sort of a backstory to his his mental side of the game. He's very clever. Um, he committed to his home state of Georgia. Uh, where he played in, uh, where he was suited up for 12 games in his freshman year, but only had 27 completions from 39 attempts. And that's because he was backing up Jake from, I wonder if Georgia, uh, <laughs> I wonder if Georgia regret that decision, um, despite me being a Jake, Jake from truth all the way through college, by the way. Um, he entered the transfer portal at the end of that season because Jake Fromm was basically an end starter um, and he transferred to Ohio State in, tw- in 2019, in sophomore season. He started for Ohio State and he had 3,273 passing yards, 41 touchdowns and only three interceptions and 484 rush yards with 10 rushing touchdowns. 2019 was a breakout year for Justin Fields and he really did prove in 2019 that he was well worthy of being that number two overall player uh, in that draw- in that uh, recruitment class because he just was lights out fantastic. So good to watch uh, that season. And he came into the this season as sort of the number two, if you want, like it was when they got recruited behind Trevor Lawrence. A lot of the draft experts and people that, you know, like like us who are going through these scouts and scouting all these players had Justin Fields as the nailed on number two quarterback heading into the season. And to be quite honest with you, he still is my number two and it's not close. And I know there's, I know probably all four of you have Zach Wilson higher, I think. Um, Andy shaking his head and Liam shaking his head. Okay, maybe I'm on an island here then. <laughs> not on an island here. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I think he's the second best quarterback in the class. And simply because he's slipping down. I mean, I see Daniel Jeremiah's um, mock draft today is 2.0 and he's knocked him down below Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson's going number two. Um I just think why, I, and I understand there was a couple of sort of rough, rougher games at the end of the season, but if you look at the box scores for them for them games, you look at the tape when he played bad as a passer, he was fantastic as a rusher, over 100 yards, two touchdowns when he had a really bad game against Northwestern. He's the kind of guy that is, if he, like I said, if he's not doing something well, he'll go to his secondary option, which is his legs. And he's very, very good with his legs. Very good all-round quarterback. Um, yeah, just looking through 2020, he had he finished the year with 2,100 uh, yards off nine games, 262 yards per game, 22 touchdowns, uh, which is better than 2019 because it was 233 yards per game um, in uh, passing in 2019. He rushed for 380. 383 yards and five touchdowns this year as well, which again, the yardage was on a better pace than the year before. He had four games of over 80% completion rate this year and one game of over 95% completion rate in week one uh, against Nebraska, I want to say, where he went 20 for 21. He started the season with an absolute bang. I think he was really really impressive, especially against Nebraska, who aren't a terrible, terrible team. Had a good game against Penn State. Um, blew Rutgers out as they should have done. Um, and then it started to fall off a little bit. Tougher game against Indiana, 
was good against was fairly good against um, uh, Michigan State. I think that was the game that he went with his legs. No, it was the Northwestern game, last game of the regular season for them. He struggled to pass the ball. Like I said, went over 100 yards on the ground, two touchdowns, and looked great with his legs. And all in all, looking at his tape from this year, I wasn't nearly... I thought, going into this process, I didn't know too much about Justin Fields. I didn't hadn't watched too much of him. And I thought I'd be along with the consensus of, okay, he's going to slip down. Zach Wilson's had a great year. He's booted his draft stock. And Justin Fields has had a good start. Didn't finish the year very well. I thought I'd be in the same term. But I haven't seen anything that's put me off Justin Fields at all. I'm really impressed with him. Um, pros and cons. He's a pros, big, strong, athletic runner. He's somewhat of an RPO specialist, which is less commonly used in the NFL. But if a team... He's drafted him for his strength, and that is one of them. So they probably will play that a little bit more. Um, he's a natural passer of the ball with a great technique, accurate passer. Uh, he had uh, his uh, sorry, his 2020 completion rate was 70.2, but like I said, he had those four games over over 80, percent which was great. Uh, good anticipation. He throws receivers open rather than making the receiver do the work, which is good to see. Um, he's got good arm strength. He evades pre- pressure very well, and it's tough to bring down. Uh, there are some cons, and like I said, when you're going into the NFL, it, 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 the cons for a player of his stature, this is this is what will be highlighted in the NFL. Decision making is probably uh, one of the biggest things. Uh, under pressure, uh, he tends to make some silly decisions. Sometimes uh, he can hold on to the ball too long, um, which do that in the pros. You know, you're going to get edge rusher in your face, um, especially if you're getting drafted by a top five team. Um, you know, their defense probably isn't very good. That's why they're a top five team. Uh, sorry, the off- offensive line. Um, he'll need to work. He need to have time to work on the mental side of the game. Um, but he's, like I said, he, he got offered a place at Harvard and Yale. So he's clearly got the smarts and the intelligence to do that. So I think that he's going to be one of these players that will really benefit from sitting behind a guy for a year one, if a team can afford to do that. And I think for me, the perfect fit in that scenario would be Carolina. If Carolina could get him sitting behind Teddy Bridgewater for a year, holy smokes, that would be great uh, for Justin Fields because he can just sit back and learn from Teddy. Um, what else have I got written down here? He struggled to identify the blitz sometimes. Um, if he's struggling in a game, he tends to lock on to one receiver rather than utilizing all of his options. Uh, and he does try to fo- force the ball downfield rather than dinking and dunking sometimes, which would be the better option. Um, similarly to, to Alabama quarterbacks, Buc- Buckeye quarterbacks haven't had much success in the NFL recently. The last few that have come through, Terrell Pryor, JT Barrett, Braxton Miller, Cardell Jones, and of course, Dwayne Haskins have all failed at the NFL level, despite being good prospects. Fields is better than all of them. He is better than all of them. He's, you know, I can't stress enough how I don't think that's going to be the case with Justin Fields, because like I said, if he gets in trouble with his passing, he uses his legs. I know Dwayne Haskins could do that as well, but look, he's been a bit of a knob in he, like this year, especially. Um, and I don't think Justin Fields is that kind of guy. Like I said, he's got the smarts <laughs> up top. Um, yeah. So I like Justin Fields. Uh, I like him more than, than Zach Wilson, who's obviously coming up next, but that is going to be the discussion. I think, that's a very split decision at the moment. If you look around uh, the different media outlets for draft prospects, you're going to see a lot of people split on Zach Wilson or Justin Fields. For me, Justin Fields edges it just because he's more of a complete all-round player. 
Yeah, that's fair play. I'll um, I just want to ask one question. I'll come to you, Kieran. Obviously, you mentioned there Rob, that you think the perfect scenario is the Panthers, uh, which is eight, or maybe they trade up. What do you think his draft floor is, though? Do you think he lasts that long? Because it seems like quite a long time for him to wait, considering there's going to you know this might be a bit of a rush on quarterbacks early doors. I think the Panthers will trade up to get him. I think that's probably. It. I don't think it. When does the Panthers pick? Is it eight? Eight. It, yeah. Yeah. I don't think he lasts till eight. So I think they would have to trade up to get him. Um, but that for me would be the perfect scenario. Um, obviously, other teams could trade up. I know, you know, New England would be a nice little spot for him to go. Um, uh, <laughs> Kieran doesn't like that, but it's you know he's a good all-round quarterback, mate. That's that's the bottom line. If you put a player like him in there, you you know he's going to do magic, especially with Belichick. You know what he did with with Brady. I mean, I know they're completely different quarterbacks, but still. Um, so yeah, there are certainly teams that could trade up, but they're going to have to. I if he, obviously the Jets is the question mark here because we're thinking, do they do they stick with Donald and draft Swell or somewhere else, or do they draft a quarterback? Is it Wilson? Is it Fields? I don't want it to be Fields because I think the Jets sticking him in the Jets, like I said, he'd be beneficial from from sticking behind a quarterback for a year. I don't. Atlanta's think... there as well. Very true. Old yeah. State. Just yeah, good point. Matt Ryan. Absolutely. Yeah, another great spot. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, Atlanta and Carolina, that'd be two great spots. Andy, you've chucked up three fingers there. Do you reckon this could be where the Dolphins cash in then? Yeah, pay me, pay me. Um, it's got to <laughs> be really. I, I don't think that we're gonna want to drop out of the kind of running for one of the top three receivers. Um, so moving back to eight won't will, will put us probably in the you know, in the run for one or two, uh, Chase or Smith or Waddle, whoever we decide that guy, one of them will still be there. Um, and it just makes perfect sense. Just uh, Carolina took us there first round of next year and, and, and this year. And, you know, that's a nice little move. Mm, yeah, for sure. Works for both teams, doesn't it? Kevin, what was your, what do you want to say on Justin Fields there? Yeah, the uh, Ohio State quarterback dilemma is a very, very reasonable doubt to have about him. Because Dwayne Haskins, believe it or not, was a better quarterback at Ohio State, statistically, than Justin Fields, if we compare their best years. Who who, who can tell me how many passes to interceptions Dwayne Haskins had his final year at Ohio State? Sure. 50 touchdowns, 8 interceptions. 50! Dwayne Haskins threw 50 touchdowns on a season. I don't know what it is with Ohio State quarterbacks, but they absolutely blow the back ass out of every single team they play in college, besides Northwestern and Clemson. Uh, not Clemson, Alabama, sorry. Uh, but that that was my main concern about Justin Fields. He yeah. shit the bed against Northwestern. He looked like he'd never played football before. But then he, and like I said, he used his leg. He got over 100 yards rushing, two touchdowns. That's the kind of guy he is. He can switch his game up. It wasn't working in the passing game. Switch up. Dwayne Haskins, very nice stat, by the way. 50 touchdowns, 4,800 yards passing. Great season. What did he do before that? He played 22 games at CFB level. FBS. Thank you. <laughs> I just want to get I'm getting riled here. Um, you know, he, he, he had one season. Justin Fields has got two plus seasons. He sat behind Jake Fromm for a year. Yeah. And that was a terrible decision by Georgia on the face of it. And he's done it for two years now. And, you know, Ohio State played nine games this year. 
it wasn't a full schedule, but out of those nine games, he played really well, except from the Northwestern game. And I think the Mich- Michigan game, he might have threw a few inceptions, but still had the yardage and multiple do, touchdowns. Do, do you not think it speaks to something that you can't beat out Jake from in training? I think that's that was Kirby a, Smart. Absolutely I, love Jake from though. That's, I, I think that's, that's, that's so true because of any anything yeah. to do with those two guys. He was the number two recruit coming out of school. I think it was a you know I think that anyway, it's we'll, just something like a coaching decision more than a talent thing. <laughs> we'll leave that there, Liam, very very quickly on uh, on Justin Fields. I can't wait to see Justin Fields in the NFL. I think his like his deep ball is as good as anyone in this class. And I seriously mean that he's such a, like, such a, just a really pretty watch. And just uh, the, Rob touched on it a couple of times. The Justin Fields we saw at Georgia, when he uh, he was coming in and out for for plays, and we were told um, what a high recruit he was, and that he's the future. And you could tell the uh, the amount or the lack of amount that he was being used there. That the frustration caused him him to leave, and he is. He's so different and has developed so much from that that kind of young lad that was just coming in for a play or two here and there at, at Georgia and yeah at Ohio State he just he just he did get better and better finished the 2019 season really well was really unlucky not to get to a national championship finished last season really well ended up with only two losses on his whole collegiate record I mean he's got so much so much going for him I can't wait to see him in the NFL whoever it is that gets him. Yeah, should be right at the top of the top of the uh, first round in April. And um, Liam, you start off then with, uh, with Zach Wilson. There, you kick us off. Yep, my time to talk about Zach Wilson. Um, still, probably my my favourite guy in the quarterback class. Um, a guy that I've liked for a couple of years. Um, I'll, I'll start at the top. This um, he stands about six three, approximately two hundred and ten pounds, so a little underweight. Uh, attended Corner Canyon High School in uh, Draper, Utah. Three-star recruit, received offers from a number of schools, mainly in the Mountain West, Utah State, Fresno State, Hawaii, uh, Nevada, Rice, all offered him uh, scholarships. He actually uh, committed to um, Boise State, according to 24-7 Sports, then decommitted. Um, one or two of the Pac-12 teams, I think Cal Bears were one of the ones that made him a late offer, but then he accepted uh, off from BYU um, and yeah moving uh, to BYU as I say he's became one of my fav- favourite college quarterbacks for the last two years um, um, bowl season in 2018 was the, the first time that uh, I uh, started to really enjoy his game I've watched uh, the famous Idaho Potato Bowl when BYU uh, defeated Western Michigan 49-18 uh, with a young Zach Wilson a young freshman Zach Wilson uh, throwing a perfect game, 18 complete out of 18 for 317 yards, four touchdowns. It was just a great game to watch. The longer that the game went on, he got better and better, really in, enjoyed the game and kind of made a note and a uh, few uh, social media posts and uh, posts in the old NFL UK forum here and there that like to watch out for this guy. I'm really enjoying watching this freshman and keep an eye on him, etc. And, and uh, I have done the last... Um, ever since um, he is the youngest quarterback to start a game for BYU um, and uh, as I say throughout his three years I think he's just improved year on year um, his stat line for this yeah, his, his junior season from 12 games um, 
73.5 completion percentage, 3,692 yards, 33 touchdowns, only three interceptions, taking BYU to a 10-1 record. Um, of his overall um, playing style, the, the pros, the main pro is that efficiency. You know, we touched on it with uh, Justin Fields. But um, yeah, whenever you watch the BYU game or um, look up um, Statline Wilson's often in the, the 70s or 80s for completion percentage. He, he goes through his reads really well, um, really quickly. I think shows excellent vision, the way he can just complete these passes all over the, the field. Obviously a quick decision maker. Um, arm strength, really, really good. Uh, the deep throws that, that he can make um, are excellent. Different... Uh, uh, body positions if he's being if he's flushed out of the pocket he can do it on the run um but uh yeah really like his, his style of throwing receivers open throws uh into the open space rather than right at the wide receiver there's some really good uh, uh highlights of him doing that especially throws kind of over the middle or on uh, slant routes um he has the uh, ability to really get on a roll during a drive as well. He's led BYU to uh, quite a few wins, uh, quite a few winning drives. Um, but yeah, just um, exciting watch. That kind of uh, arm strength ability to make the the deep throws is kind of where his his stock has been rising so much over the last 12 months. Just um, kind of the sort of plays that, that pro coaches really look for. Um, I think that... Uh, the areas where he can work on I think for all his scrambling I think he can move around a little bit too much sometimes um this season especially as I mentioned that the, the really good season BYU had they got really good offense really good O-line this year um I think he kind of he can take a little bit of a, a risk a play a bit risky with kind of um getting out of out of um pockets getting and throwing more risky throws on the move really loves a big play and I think he looks for it a bit too much I think a big thing with Wilson that I still worry about is that I think he's still a bit undersized I mentioned that 6'3 isn't a bad height but he's he looks a light 210 pounds and I think that uh, the sort of games BYU have played in um, he's kind of afforded more time that he's going to in the pros I think that that he needs to kind of as tough as he can play I think that I think there's something to be said for him maybe bulking up a little bit more um I th again following the same sort of lines there's questions over kind of who his best opponents have been which is probably um nitpicking a little bit and especially to kind of um slot that in under weaknesses but um i think it is something to think about i think it kind of speaks to kind of byu's success as they they kind of played against coastal carolina didn't they i think that uh kind of the chance to kind of play against some bigger teams over the last year or two it would have been nice uh, to have uh, some tougher schedules for Wilson's overall tape uh, to grade him. Um, his final game was the uh, Boca Raton Bowl um, in bowl season, threw over 400 yards, three touchdowns, um, 49 points in that game against a really good UCF defence, um, who uh, the, the further we're going to get into draft season, you're going to hear more and more about UCF defencemen. And he just, he just looked excellent, comfortable the whole game. Um, from drive number one, just pick them apart. Looks really, yeah, ready just to move up to the next level. The, um, as I've mentioned on on previous episodes of how much I love Wilson and yeah, followed him over the years. That the, he's ascended a lot in the last year, and uh, it is um, still funny to me that he. I still can't quite believe that uh, he's been talked about as kind of a top three pick. 
um, but you can see that the the ingredients are there um, and that all the the kind of it's coming together has come together this season for him massively and yeah the of course the the stock rising shows that mm. so it doesn't concern you too much that they've not had too many tough games in there kind of finishing on a high like you say against the good defense and he's he's fine ready ready to go in the nfl yeah like i say it feels a bit nitpicky to kind of include that under weaknesses but i think i think it's something to think about but the, yeah the reason that he's yeah, no, on the way up, like I mentioned, his, his stat line, like he's he's just finding ways and he, and the, the ability he's shown is is very kind of there's a lot of parts of his game that fit a pro scheme. The the ability to throw deep easily as well. He's got a lot of good gets a lot of velocity on his on his throws. He's um he makes a lot of plays across the field as well. Obviously his arm has just got better and better. And uh yeah, he he definitely looks like he could uh, yeah he's first rounder quite nice when one that you've been looking at for a while comes through and goes all the way to the top right that's why that's why i wanted to talk about him so much and why you know you know been bringing him up uh, earlier in the season before the buzz really got to the, the level that it's at and uh yeah when i first saw him you know you we all kind of see players that we like and obviously you know even with guys in terms of this quarterback group i don't think any of us would begrudge a guy that we've got like a day three grade on going on to having like a pro bowl career, you kind of, you get an idea for a, a guy's ceiling. And like I say, it's still funny to me uh, the, how high he's risen as quickly as he has. Yeah. One to watch right at the top of the draft order again, just like Justin Fields. Uh, Liam, I, is there any concerns on injury for Zach Wilson? He had shoulder uh, injury coming out of high school, had surgery last year obviously bounced back on a fantastic year. So I'm guessing there's not really any concerns. And the other one is the character concerns that have come up recently. Is there anything to worry about there? No, I, I don't think so. Injury, why I the character part of it and the, um, you know, the uh, interviews are the kind of part that we're going to get less to hear about, aren't we? I, the injury concerns for me, I think this season proved he's absolutely fine. The, it was so much better than the previous two seasons. Um I wait. I can't wait to see where he goes. Of course, um, I think that um, Fields is probably closer to Lawrence than Wilson is to Fields. To be honest, overall, if that makes sense. But um, yeah, um, I don't have too many concerns uh, in terms of off the field stuff. Injuries look good. The character stuff. We have to wait and see how serious they really are. But I don't think so. I mean, his leadership roles look good to me. Awesome. Yeah. Good. Good review there. Awesome. Yeah, sounds great, Liam. Um, I know the Andy, you've got to go, so uh, I'll chuck it over to you to do Trey Lance, and then I'll come in and finish off with uh, with Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, quite fitting to finish with uh, Lawrence, I think, isn't it? Um, Lance, uh, for me, uh, started the season quite low on Lance, um, and as I've kind of dived into him for the scouting guide and just kind of, you know, general being a, a fan of the game, I've really like started to rise on him. I, I'm, I'm, he's, he's comfortably my QB4 in the class, for, uh, if not um, pushing on QB3 with whoever you think is uh, out of Lance, uh, sorry, out of um, Wilson or Fields. He could easily supplant either of them if the, if the, team, if the right team's interested in him. Uh, he's got kind of like he is like the, the prototypical um, modern quarterback. Um, 
like he's got the frame, six foot four frame, um, and but he's also like fantastic with his legs, isn't he? Just taking it back a step, um, three star recruit uh, from Minnesota, uh, offered by Boise State, Northern Illinois, Brown, uh, ended up at uh, NDSU, uh, North Dakota. Um, only a one year starter. What, what a year it was in 2019 for him, though. Um, you know, just got 14 running touchdowns, 28 passing touchdowns. Um, very accomplished season for 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 like the, the the rookie starter almost, and he's definitely on on NFL teams' radars because of that. Like strengths are just the kind of standard stuff. If you're a running quarterback, his mobility is fantastic. Um, he's a very powerful rusher. He's strong, puts his shoulder down, picks up yards, and that's kind of one of the weaknesses as well. He needs to learn to not take massive hits and risk that sort of injury. But then if you flip to the the, the passing game, um, he's got an absolutely like, huge arm, uh, arguably one of the, the, the top two or three strongest arms in, in this class. Um, very like good downfield pass velocity. You know, it doesn't wither and die in the air. It, it drops on a dime. Um, he's got good short medium accuracy as well. Like, you know, um, the kind of slant route is, is obviously his favourite if you look on tape, but then he obviously likes the sideline shot as well. Very good footwork on his dropbacks, kind of, you know, very aware, like plants his feet well, gets his feet set um, and also kind of, you know, uh, gets it can obviously get away from the rushing uh, defensive ends as well. So it's kind of MO. Um, the, the weaknesses for me are going to make some teams just say we're not drafting this guy. And that's the kind of experience issue, isn't it? It's the uh, it's the one season wonder. Everyone's kind of seen the Mitch Trubisky's of the world. Um, it's also the kind of competition he's up against as well, which you know, a few people chucking that around of Carson Wentz this year. Um, so though, if you combine that kind of Trubisky worries and, and the Carson Wentz worries, you get the, the the combined worries for Lance, and that's really going to hold him back. I think um, unless the right team comes in, I, I, the other kind of stuff for me, he likes a deep shot. He's got very like good deep velocity, but the accuracy sometimes not. Uh, not great. There's a lot of like overthrows, which is interesting. You don't see that uh, a whole lot. But um, but I guess the kind of flip side of that is the overthrows in the right area. They're um, you know four or five yards ahead of his man can be refined, and and it's uh, and obviously he's not playing with the world's best wide receivers uh, in that uh, in that team either. Uh, quite a bit of an inconsistent throw motion as well. Kieran obviously touched on the importance of that earlier, um, but that's something that's definitely coachable, isn't it? That's not lie. He's, he's probably not got the highest quality coach and staff in the world there, but that's what he's going to pick up straight away at the next level. Uh, blindside uh, pressure anticipation, a lot of that in the pocket of him just kind of stood up and just getting whacked right in the in the middle of the back. So that's uh, something that needs to work on a bit. Um, and then, like I just said, she just needs to like learn when to get rid of the ball. If he's running, he needs to learn to, to, to slide. If he's... Um, if he's just sort in the pocket, he needs to learn to take the check down or throw the ball away trying, instead of trying to make the massive downfield uh, throw. So all in all, look, absolutely excellent prospect. I really like him. I really like his, uh, his intangibles uh, and the kind of tools he's got there. Um, there's obviously that kind of lower level um, uh, kind of rawness to him, but someone's going to take him. And um, we're obviously exchanging messages about the Panthers uh, making an unreal offer for uh, Deshaun Watson at the moment. But uh, if they don't come up to three for Fields and, and uh, someone like the, the Falcons do, I can see Fields. So I can see Lance going to someone like the Panthers where he's got time to to sit behind an established quarterback and learn the game a bit there. But if not, if that if he does start to slide, there's a possibility to second round, top top end of the second round, top guy as well. Um, you know, can see teams passing on him um, uh, to, for other priorities on the way through.
Do you think it's key that he does sit behind someone? Do you think he could hold up if he does become a day one starter, considering the small sample size, lower level of competition, all the usual gripes that people have, especially me? I guess it's. Um, I guess you kind of if you if you gave him the same off season as they had last year, I mean, I think it'd be an unmitigated disaster. I think he'd like not have time to kind of get up to speed with the playbook and stuff. But from what it sounds like, the NFL is going to try and return to some sorts of semblance of norm, norm normality. Um, and so I think he could hold up. I don't think he's going to wow the world, but I think uh, year two, year three, if he kind of realizes his potential, that's a kind of the ideal quarterback you want to be, you know, building around for on, on his rookie deal, could go to the Super Bowl sorts of things with the kind of tools he's got. So um, to, to answer your question, I think he does need to sit, but, uh, I, you know, I'll scrape by and have a nice early pick next year, even if he, if he does start. Mm, patience is always going to be key, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but yeah, all the all the ceiling in the world for sure. With um, Trey Lance, I'm still, I'm, I've watched probably as much of him as any quarterback uh, in this class to try and gauge where I'm at because obviously earlier in the year I was I was really low on him and I'm still fairly low. I, there's kind of parallels between him and Jordan Love last season for me, who I was really low on, and upset people quite a lot with how low I was on him and it, it's I, they're actually quite there's there's differences in their style of play but I think it's the, the situation and um, I think that Andy's right though with the ceiling for, for Trey Lance obviously there's going to be teams that um, really want to uh, kind of work on that that ceiling I, it's interesting that he mentioned their um, the accuracy thing because uh, yeah I think he's a little bit too inaccurate considering what Buzzy's had the last 12 months and um, some of the stuff that he's been said about him and that it could be a first round talent. It would. It is going to be interesting to see where, where one, where teams value him, but also where he's taken. You could argue that a team um, will kind of look to try and move into the first to take him as opposed to wait for the top of the second because you get that fifth year option and I think uh, I think Andy again mentioned it with uh, you know winning things further down the line I think that's probably something that teams will look at um, uh, yeah I, I, I need to do a bit more work I guess to be convinced still with uh, with Trey Lance and his upside yeah I think there's a lot of people in that boat um, me being one of them as I kind of alluded to a moment ago when I made that little comment um, where do you have him at the moment what was in in terms of the ranking? Mm. I've quite clear four, but it is kind of a very much a one. The tier two is obviously Wilson and, and Fields, bit of a gap tier four, and then we're talking about you know Matt Jones, Cal Trask, people like that. So ranking wise, I've run the same as everyone else, but I feel like as a clear yeah, gap, he's no, he's not even top four for me yet. Still, that's why I'm trying to kind of figure out what, what everyone else uh, sees. Okay. Fair enough. Well, I, think, I think I I agree with with both of you. I don't know whether Kieran disagrees with his faces that he's put in, but I, I, Trey Lance isn't. He's not a first round talent for me. And there's too many red flags because for me, having I, I think he's only had 18 games at college level in in FCS as well. Not even in FBS. I got that right this time. Um, but you know, it's it, it stinks of. It's a gamble. It's a massive gamble for him to be going in the top tens of a lot of mock drafts I'm seeing and him being a quote-unquote top 10 talent. I don't see it. He's not played at the top level. We've not played against tough teams. He had, what, 16 games last 
2019 for North Dakota State with 2,700 passing yards. I know he does it with it on on his on his feet, 1,100 yards. Oh, I don't know. That's a big gamble to take a top 10. Hate the fact that Indianapolis have been linked with him so much in the first round. Can't stress enough. No, too many red flags for me. There's only one guy that I can think of off the top of my head recently that's gone in the first round from FCS, which was, of course, Carson Wentz from the same school. And look how that's gone. He's being traded away this summer. Mm. Food for thought. Can you drop something to say there or are you just messing about with football? Yeah, um, I agree with Rob. It's just way too much of a gamble. The problem is everyone in football is obsessed with optics and how everything looks. So you see a kid who throws 28 touchdowns and no picks and everyone's like, oh my God, he's amazing. He's the best. And there's really no... There's no substance behind it. There's no real reasoning other than they saw the stat line. I feel like a lot of people who are harping on about his stat line haven't watched him play. And when they do watch him play, they de- they get too caught up and realise, oh, he's playing other teams at his level. So, which is my problem with me. He should have, like, graduate transferred and maybe played a season with uh, a I nearly said D1 team, but that would have been super disrespectful to uh, FCS schools. Uh, but with a, <laughs> a big, a big pa- yeah, Power 5 school, if it had gone to maybe like, I don't know, Florida State, because they need a quarterback realistically, or or just a team like that with their, where their name holds a bit more weight and they do have a bit more of a stacked schedule to prove that, oh, he can play amongst the best. Uh, but yeah, I think everyone's too obsessed with optics. So they see what he did with the 28 touchdown uh, 28 touchdowns no picks or whatever and that's all they can think about they're obsessed with that and they can't get it out of their head that you know what he's playing against subpar competition there's a reason these guys are at fcs schools it's because they weren't good enough to get into fbs schools or be starters at fbs schools i don't care if you're gonna hate me for that that's the truth of the matter if you could go to an fc if if you're me and, and i'm a like i'm a recruit or something i'm say a three-star recruit and they're like hey do you want to go play for North Dakota State? They're an FCS school. They've got very good facilities, but you're not going to be playing that good competition. You might not really get looked at in the draft. Or do you want to go play for like Utah State or Boise State or some, you know, smaller school that's not Power 5, but still an FCS, an FBS school? So, yeah, I just think it's too much hype around him. And I also think that hype's going to crush him because if he has one bad game, he's going to be like, oh, I'm not the shit, and I think that might actually hurt him in the long run. I think uh, Minnesota should have snapped him up. He was a three-star recruit out of Minnesota, and they let him get out of state to go to NDSU. So, yeah, and just on the transfer thing, Oregon would have been perfect for him this mm. this coming season because obviously yeah. Tyler Shuck's now transferring, and then he could have gone there. He could have played Power 5 against some good defences, played in a fun conference got that monkey off his back, more experience, more level of competition, and there you go. And you probably win, you know, Pac-12 championship. I, I I love the fact that they had one game this year, didn't they, against Central Arkansas as a Trey Lance showcase game, mm. week, week zero. And he puts up uh, a 50% completion rate, 149 yards, two touchdowns, one interception, 143 yards rushing, two touchdowns. He's basically the FCS Sam Ellinger. That's what that's the game that you should have been like, right? Obviously, I've not performed in this, I'm not going to play for another year or so. I might as well just stay, yeah. Uh, and then, like you say, transfer out and just go and play at a good school. And agree, 
Also, how can you be a good te- considered a good teammate when you agree to put everyone's health on the line for a showcase game for yourself? It just reeks of privilege. And I know it was probably the school's decision over here. But you've got to think, all these other players then went out and risked their health and potentially missed... Uh, potentially risk missing another season due to injuries or so, just so this knobhead can go out and flow 50% completion rate. It's just stupid. Anyway, let's let's move on to a guy who I don't think has ever thrown a 50% game. So I'm going to obviously finish off the first round from all of us with talking about Trevor Lawrence. And I almost feel a bit silly kind of giving a bit of a rundown of Trevor Lawrence because what do I say that hasn't been said already? It's one of those, isn't it? You know, we've been, been talking about Trevor Lawrence now for four, five years, maybe even since he was in, in high school. But here we go. Here's my, here's my kind of shot about trying to tell you something that you didn't know already about Trevor Lawrence. It probably won't go very well, but here we go. I kind of watched six games very pleasurably to, to kind of give this very, uh, well, probably what you've heard before. Already. I've kind of started my report here by saying, if you were to build a QB in a lab, you would build Trevor Lawrence. You know, 6'6", 220, maybe a little bit on the skinny side, but he's got all the measurables aside from that, as I mentioned before. He can always put on some weight, as we're talking about with Zach Wilson. Um, he's got leadership qualities. He loves football. He's an absolute serial winner going back from, from high school. He's got the mechanics, so kind of check that one off. He's got the hair. What's not to like? What is not to like about this bloke? Born in Knoxville, Tennessee, went to Cartersville, Georgia, high school. Uh, Cartersville High School, as I said. 41 straight wins in high school, uh, two straight titles, and broke a bunch of Deshaun Watson's Georgia State passing records. Like I say, serial winner, like the guy does it all. He's a five-star recruit, obviously. Number six uh, ranked all-time prospect by 24-7 Sports. Although I was looking that up and he's got nine, uh, nine, 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 nine. And I don't understand how you can segregate those other players out of that. He's essentially the top quarterback or equal best quarterback ever. I was looking up his offers, as we always do, and I found it quite funny. Early days, he's got all the regular ones that we talk about, you know, Alabama, FSU, Florida, Miami, UNC is like a bit of a local product. Obviously, Tennessee, trying to bring him back home. And then we saw a late offer from Michigan State, and I thought, what chance did you guys ever have in getting this guy to come over to Michigan State? Uh, obviously, went to, to Clemson, as everyone knows. Um, moving into the, the strengths, and this is going to, you know, it's going to be everything that you want in a quarterback. It's going to be like going back to that very first part of the podcast when I'm talking about going around the room and saying, what do we want? Ball placement, accuracy, ball velocity, all absolutely unbelievable. Ability to throw with both power and fit into a tight window and also with touch, chucking it over a defender's head and dropping it in a bucket. It's all there. Away from passing, McGall. Well, Kind of, I can actually know sticking with passing mechanics, as I said before, absolutely amazing. Away from passing, athletic enough to make plays with his legs, both powerful and explosive as a runner, and has some wiggle as well to move away from any oncoming defenders. He also has patience as a runner as well. He lets his blocked guy in front of him. He's not just charging down the field like mindlessly. He's like setting up blocks and, um, like I say, letting people get out in front of him so he can make extra yard, yeah, extra yardage. And although I'm sure the Jacksonville Jaguars won't like this, but he isn't afraid to put his body on the line when he actually needs to as well. He'll dive in for a touchdown. He'll take a bit of a hit. Maybe he just needs to learn to slide a little bit. Um, but, you know, when you're that big, that strong, that powerful, and like I say, you've got a little bit of wiggle, you probably think you can take on everything, which he pretty much has for the past, like, four to six years, however far you want to go back. Like I say, I don't really know what to, to say. I watched six games of his, and I barely paused the tape to make any notes because it was stuff that I already knew anyway. Um, weaknesses and this is getting really really nitpicky his wind up gets longer sometimes for deep throws 
but we're talking about occasionally, I would say, and sometimes locked onto his first read, and that's probably because he knows the guy's going to go up and get it. Apart from that, I mean, I'm going to chuck it over to you guys. Have you got anything else that you want to mention in terms of weaknesses? Because I was struggling. Oh, Liam, you're nodding quite vigorously. Go for it. No, not too many. I was, I was <laughs> I like, you're going to die bring out got, laundry. Then. Yeah, well, got, I've got a list here of where Trevor Lawrence shouldn't be a first round pick. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, th- uh, th- I think you you touched on it. I wanted I wanted to just emphasise the the toughness side of his game because I think it's a little bit. I mean, there's little that is undervalued with him, but I think it's a big deal because you can talk about his his passing ability and it is amazing from short to to long. And but there's like uh, we've seen him make kind of like some amazing some amazing plays with his feet as well and for like uh like six six and that upright long-legged style he can half move really mm. well as well and even that in itself is is uh is a really really nice uh pro physically um the only the only thing that has, uh, that worried me when watching the the national championship game was that he got he got rattled very early in the game, and I don't know if that was um, like uh, if he he's obviously a serial winner and he's not been in a lot of losing positions. Um, if he goes number one overall, he's going to be in plenty of them early in his career. <laughs> and uh, it you Sorry, don't Jags fans by the way. Well, yeah, <laughs> if it's the if it's the Jacksonville Jaguars, which it, we're 95% sure that it is. I mean, when but, you've got Urban Meyer standing right next to uh, Dabo at his pro day about five yards away, it pretty much says a lot, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. I think that, that I, I I did manage to find one or two weaknesses, but like just to add to how you were articulating it, it, it you're kind of starting to struggle just to find your self weaknesses and it's just there's just no need so yeah uh, I don't know where do you how far back do you have to go to um, find a, a quarterback that you've graded as highly as, as Trevor Lawrence well this is actually brought me on to what I was actually going to finish off my little segment with he's the highest graded player I've ever graded he took over Penn ISOL, uh earlier on but I've only been doing this for about four years so I don't go back that far so you missed Andrew Luck yeah, well, it was like 2012, so that's what nine years ago now. So I did wasn't doing this that bet back then, so I don't have that grade. But he's 96 uh, or 9.6 or on the seven point scale, 6.66, which is maybe ominous. But um, yeah, he's about as good as grade you can of get the beast. My, <laughs> about as good as you can get on my scale, to be honest. Yeah, it sounds. I, I I have to go back and then check myself, but um, yeah, he's. In the last, over the last few years, yeah, way up there for sure. Yeah, absolutely. He's the best quarterback that's come out in, in a long old time. And now Kieran's going to come and tell us that he had Joe Burrow ahead of him. <laughs> no, the, I, I'm just saying, in terms of like raw talent and prospect, he's probably the best guy we've seen coming into the league since Andrew Luck. And it pains me to say that as a Patriots fan because obviously the Colts are little crybabies, but Andrew <laughs> Luck was possibly. And still possibly is the greatest waste of talent that's ever been because he he was superb. He threw the ball perfectly. He made reads perfectly. He was the full package. He just looked like the Geico caveman. You know, he played quarterback, not banjo. So he should have shaved that beard. But um, his biggest red flag was the fact that he couldn't throw deflated balls as well. That was a big red flag coming out of college. 
Well, he uh, he went Stanford, so he actually knew how physics worked, uh, and he he knew how the weather worked as well. So there we go. But no, um, yes, Tre- Trevor Lawrence. The, literally, the only problem I have with him is he 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 doesn't work through progressions fast enough sometimes. But that is literally it, and it pains me to say that because he's from Clemson. And the only time we've ever seen him look even partially flustered was in the national championship game against LSU. And you can't fault him for that because he's a college player at the time and he's playing against guys like Caleb Von and Patrick Queen, Christian Fulton. He had NFL starters bearing down on him uh, every single snap of that game. And he looked... I mean, he didn't look lost, but he did look a little bit flustered. But I think that speaks to some of his composure that he can go up against guys who are so clearly heads and shoulders above everyone else at their positions at that time in college football and still made a game of it for at least a quarter and a half. So, you know, props to him. And the only time he's ever looked mildly in trouble was that game Mm. against LSU because the Ohio state game, I think that's just an outlier personally, but yeah, well, you know, he'll be going to Jacksonville. We'll probably be seeing him in London at some point because I'll be coming over for an international series. So Tickets should be pretty hot for that game, maybe next year, next next autumn, uh, next season, should I say, and next autumn is in this year calendar year. Um, so, yeah, no, we'll be, we'll be at the front of the queue, hopefully, for them and getting to see them in the flesh, which will be fantastic. And that's just finishes there for that one. Uh, we're going to go into our sleepers uh, where we, we've lost Andy, but I think Rob's going to do, do us a solid there and talk about his guy. But, yeah, let's go for it. Let's go for our sleepers. Rob, do you want to start us off with Andy's one and then we'll get into all of ours? Yeah, sure. I'll uh, I'll read you Andy's notes that he's made because, um, yeah, um, let me just grab them. They're here. Uh, yeah, so Andy's gone for Felipe Franks, quarterback from Arkansas. Um, redshirt senior, 6'6", 219 pounds. Uh, his strength has got written down. Arm strength, velocity on deep passes. He's got good deep accuracy. He's got a good physical build, great pocket awareness. He's good, at pl- good on play action. Uh, his footwork on dropbacks is particularly pleasing. Leadership on and off the field. He's got good skills uh, and thrives under pressure. That's what he's written for his strengths. Weaknesses, uh, previous significant injury. Uh, I don't know off the top of my head what that injury was, but he missed the whole season in 2019, I believe, uh, when he was at Florida. Uh, awkward pass mechanics. Uh, ineffectual rusher. Inconsistent, short, medium accuracy. So the, the weaknesses that Andy's put in. Um, and as a summary, I'll just I'll read it straight off the page for you. He's put Frank's has done incredibly well to return from a serious injury and piece together a decent 2020 season. A traditional strong arm passer, he is capable of some beautiful throws whilst possessing the physical attributes scouts look for in a quarterback. It was a good decision to transfer, but to stay in the SEC of um, last off season and the tape he's put together should see him creep into the latter rounds as the draft approaches. However, inconsistency, awkward mechanics and the injury will limit his rise, making him a likely day three prospect, but a good sleeper. Yeah. He mentioned that he's the epitome of a sleeper. Um, yeah. So yeah, no, should, should be look, look forward to him. Obviously we'll get Andy's thoughts on, on uh, Felipe Franks uh, later down the line, I'd imagine. But uh, yeah, a guy that he likes very, very much actually, isn't it? Uh, Liam, we'll come, we'll come to you next for your, your sleeper. I want to see how deep you've gone with this quarterback class because we were all saying before the podcast that it's not that deep of a class and I'm sure you'll, you'll prove us wrong. It's a really interesting class because, yeah, there's not too many that, you know, kind of near the, the top, but there are some good sleepers. 
Um, and uh, yeah, the one that I'm going to talk about is uh, Shane Bushell from SMU. Um, similarly to Zach Wilson, um, one of the main reasons I wanted to talk about him is I really like him. <laughs> I like him as a player. Um, he's 6'1", approximately 207 pounds. Another guy that's quite light. Um, Four-star recruit out of Lamar High School in Arlington, Texas, uh, where he was a dual sport guy. He played football and baseball. Um, began his uh, college football career as a Texas Longhorn and uh, was their first true freshman starter since 1944. So obviously um, a lot of promise there and, and straight in. Uh, during sophomore and junior seasons, um, he uh, flip-flopped um, playing time with a quarterback named Sam Ellinger, um, who probably isn't going to be anyone's sleeper, but there he is getting mentioned. Uh, he then um, suffered an injury uh, that kind of handed the starting role to Ellinger at Texas, which meant that in uh, 2019, or the beginning, I should say, for the 2019 season, he transferred and he transferred to SMU, uh, where he played the last two seasons. And um, last season, especially, uh, looked really, really good. Uh, he threw for nearly 4,000 yards, uh, 34 touchdowns and only 10 interceptions as um, SMU uh, had, well, the entire American conference decided to go offense mad and SMU were right up there with, with one of the best uh, in the group of five. Um, because of that and uh, in having enjoyed his play at Texas as well, I was really hopeful that he could uh, take a leap uh, in 2020, but it, it kind of hasn't happened as, as much as I would hope, but I still see him as very draftable and, and uh, as a sleeper, which is why I'm talking about him now. Uh, so um, on-field stuff, uh, some real pros that he does have. Um, I think the main one with him is the accuracy. I think he's um, he can really, um, really put passes together, really put drives together. Um, yeah, the accuracy is really, really good with Michelle. Bouchel, really nice um, throwing motion uh, for me. I really like watching him. Um, footwork and uh, poise, I think, is good um, in the pocket. He, he um, can stand in there. He can take steps back and forward if he needs to to um, let, give the receivers extra time to get open before um, pushing it down the field. Um, when he needs to get out of the pocket, um, I think he, he does move quite well. He, he can certainly make plays on the move and outside the pocket as well. Um, I think where he needs to work on, I think that, uh, I think I mentioned it with one of the other guys earlier, I think deep passing is a real issue. I think um, deep passes can sometimes fall a bit short. He's had some really good wide receivers uh, to throw to the last couple of years. And I think uh, too many times in some of his... Uh, some of his game film, I think they had to have to uh, come back to the ball or adjust to, to deep throws. They kind of sink a little bit. Um, I think he, uh, as I said, at 207 pounds, I think he lacks the size. I kind of worry about him physically. I've seen like he, he, uh, he doesn't have suffer when he takes a heavy sack. He's, he does, uh, he does, uh, yeah, look uh, like he really needs to um, add uh, to his, his bulk physically. Um I think another question I think uh, for him is, is his age. Uh, he started playing in 2016 uh, when he was uh, the freshman at Texas. He's been around uh, a few years and I think he's going to be 23 by the time that the NFL season begins. Um, so I, again, it adds to that 
inability for him this year to take the leap. It means that he's got a bit of a flaw, but the ceiling probably isn't so high with him. Um, like I say, uh, mentioned earlier, with regards to Texas and uh, and Ellinger, I've, I've joked in the past that I think Texas got rid of the wrong one. I've, I've always preferred Bushell. Um, but yeah, again, I kind of wish that he'd taken that leap this year because I kind of had him uh, bracketed with, uh, with guys like Zach Wilson um, that you kind of felt could take uh, take that leap this year, especially if they're going to go on to declare, which was always likely to be the case with Bruchel, and it kind of just hasn't happened. So um, I see him as like a day three guy, probably even six or seven round guy. But um, I think the pros are there to, to start off as a, as a good backup and a kind of West Coast style offense, I think we're doing good. And um, uh, yeah, I think that uh, he's got a future in the right offensive scheme. Yeah, I tend to agree. It's a quarterback that I like, actually, and I wouldn't even joke that they got rid of the wrong one. I think they definitely did. Yeah. Um, he probably missed Reggie Robertson, right, this past season. Yeah, he, he did. Robson, Robson got injured. And uh, last season, James Prochet got drafted, mm. and as did um, uh, Xavier Jones, the running back who went to the Rams. I really liked him as well, and he was used quite a lot in the past game. Um, yeah, the, Robson as a target would have really helped him this year. Um, the whole offense as a whole, but of course the show himself, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, no one to watch out for day day three. I'm, I'm I'm a fan myself, to be honest with you. So yeah, a good shout there. Um, I'm going to go for another guy who was a bit of a long time backup. Actually, I'm going to go for Davis Mills, who out came out of the, out of Stanford, who was a long time backup to KJ Costello. Somehow, I don't understand why they they've come to that decision. Again, but he saw the field in the lap portion of uh, 2019 season when Costello went down with an injury. So kind of a similar sort of uh, symmetry there with with Bouchelle and, and Sam Ellinger. Um, and now he went into his, his senior season for the Cardinal, but uh, obviously didn't play a great deal of games again, just got injured himself. So he's a player that's not been on the field too often, but he's a player of fantastic pedigree. I don't understand why you'd sit a five-star quarterback behind KJ Costello um, was the number one recruit out of Georgia in 2017 and the number 15 recruit overall and went to Stanford and, yeah, sat behind a quarterback that can't really play, which is a bit of a weird one. But, yeah, like I say, he, he's great sort of... Um, he's got a great skill set, sorry, to be a sleeper. He's more of a pocket passer than probably anyone that we've talked about on this on this podcast so far. Um, but he really caught my eye when I was watching him in summer and I've just kind of kept a bit of a half an eye on him, really. And, like I say, it's a bit of a shame that he's not played too much this past season, but... Great timing and rhythm thrower. When everything's on time and on schedule, he ticks along like clockwork. And if you can get him in that sort of flow, a bit like what we were talking about with other quarterbacks previously on the episode, I feel like he can really get in rhythm and he can really put up some numbers. Um, Stanford seems to cater the offense around him quite a lot. They seem to uh, make a lot of one-read sort of plays, make a lot of simplified offensive things, but he did it really well. In terms of that simplicity, I think he's able to get the ball out really quickly and he's shown great accuracy. And that's one of his biggest, biggest things is accuracy and ball placement. He scores really, really highly for me on both of these. And he does play with that nuance. And it's that thing, a bit like what I was talking about last week about Jalen Phillips, where because you can see that he's been good from being really young, he's not only raw with it, but he can go and he can do things in a nuanced way and he can do things at a really high level. And I feel that's what I see with Mills as well, especially... He'll be rated five-star in a state like Georgia as well, an absolute hotbed of, of football. Um, seems pretty fearless with the football as well, so he's not got the greatest deal of arm strength, but he can seem to like sling it into a window, more sort of in the intermediate or short range, not so much over the long distances. 
But uh, yeah, it, it, you can definitely sling it in through a window, like I say. It does lead to some pretty hair-raising moments, but he seems to have that like short memory that we talk about with quarterbacks where he just doesn't seem to care if something went a bit awry. As long as it didn't get picked off, no one died, it's fine. And he just kind of goes at it again. I feel like, given his inexperience, I did see him grow in confidence over the time of that tape as well, which was really good. And you know, like I say I was kind of looking for him to kind of kick on even more, but he's not at that time on the field. Obviously, moving into the cons, inexperience, obviously a massive thing, lack of sample size, lack of actual game film on him in some ways. Um, outside of that first read as well, kind of struggles if that's not there, and obviously then gets in a bit of trouble. Not the biggest guys I mentioned kind of weight-wise, although he does have decent height. Uh, and obviously that's going to lead to him taking a few sacks if he doesn't uh, kind of learn to kind of go through his progressions a little bit quicker, because as I said before, he's a very much pocket passer. He's not really the kind of person who's going to make anything happen with his legs. Like I say, I did see a progression in that, but it still needs a heck of a lot of work, really. Um, and as I mentioned before, arm strength down the field just isn't there. Not an athlete in any way, not a guy who can throw deep. Not talking about a guy who probably start at any point in the NFL, but someone who can be a career backup, I think. And, you know, like I said before, lightning in the bottle was the phrase that I used. If you can hit, uh, maybe just take a big leap that no one kind of sees coming, you might be able to get a couple of starts under his belt here or there, but you'll be able to kind of uh, see a couple of games out and if a start gets injured or something like that, he'll be able to kind of come in for a spot start and do a decent job, I think, in the right offense. So play that I like, play I wish we'd see more of, but that's Davis Mills from Stanford. Uh, Kieran, we'll come to you next up. Yes, this one might shock you just because of the school he's from, but it's Kellen Mond. Now, I know what you're thinking. An SEC school. Why has he picked another SEC quarterback? Kellen Mond is probably, from a statistical standpoint, one of the most impressive quarterbacks College Station has ever seen. Not in College Station, actually, just the SEC. He has been incredible. Now, I do say from a statistical standpoint, because there are problems in his game, he needs to put on weight desperately. He's only like 205 pounds or something, which, I, I mean, the only quarterback who I can think is lighter is... uh. Jane Daniels, and that dude weighs about as much as two teaspoons. I literally made a pancake for Shrove Tuesday earlier, which was heavier than Jane Daniels, and I'm pretty sure it weighed in about as much as Kellen Mon. Uh, but what I do like, he throws every ball with velocity, which opens up a lot of things downfield because his balls don't tend to trail off as much. He throws some great spirals. Now, he has... Uh, early on in his career, take some really big shots in the pocket. And I think that actually helped him get to the point where he's like, oh, I probably want to avoid that. So his pocket presence has developed and got better and better and better as we go on. Pardon me there. Uh, but yeah, he, he's. I don't think he's ever going to be like a career starter, but I think he could be a great, great bridge quarterback somewhere. And with he's a, a developmental type QB, as in he's got a lot of physical gifts and a lot of traits that make him you know, preferable to offenses, but he definitely needs a lot of coaching. But you get a lot of prospects that are imperfect that can take coaching, and that turns them into something fantastic. You've seen it with Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, and guys like that. I'm not saying he's that level, but with the with the right development behind him, he could easily be a very solid backup or maybe even a high-end backup or just a low-end starter, a guy who sort of bought in like Fitz magic to just, you know, lead the offense. So their rookie doesn't get hurt. Or I think he could develop into that in a good few years time because he, 
he is fantastic. The, uh, but like I said, besides the size, he can, when a pocket starts to collapse, he can get a bit flustered. Uh, and obviously I said he's evolved in taking those hits and his pocket presence has got better. But if that pocket collapses too quickly, he can kind of find himself in a world of trouble. And Carson Wentz syndrome can kind of try and make too much happen, which can lead to him taking unnecessary shots or throwing unnecessary interceptions. But besides that, I think if you take a punt on this guy in day two, especially like I did in our mock draft, I had the Washington football team taking him. You sit in behind a tater like, Oh, this is going to see you guys are going to hate this. Taylor Heineke, maybe, or, or Alex Smith. I think he could develop, develop into a very solid backup or relief quarterback. Yeah, I, mean, I think we've seen and We've seen some physical gifts kind of come out. And um, he's an intriguing prospect. I'll give him that. I don't know if I like him as a person who would ever start. Thank God my team has found a great quarterback to go forward. But you know, he's got some things to work on. Maybe someone who can develop, like you say, the right system and be a spot starter. A similar sort of, not the same type of quarterback, but a similar sort of uh, situation as Davis Mills have just been saying, really. I, I will say there, uh, there, there is a slight problem. He basically only plays good at a shotgun and pistol. Like if it's the, if those aren't the formations he's running, he's going to struggle. I don't, I don't know what it is, but he, he looks a lot more natural in any shotgun or pistol formation. And the fact that he struggles outside of that could be a big problem at the NFL. I mean, yeah, a lot of NFL teams are running shotgun and pistol and stuff. But when you go to a team with a more complex run game or you've got more run threats, you're not going to be able to run that. You are going to have to be under center a lot more. Uh, but yeah, the, like I said, I, I'm not expecting him to be be a starter anytime soon, but I definitely think he could be a solid backup or a solid relief guy. Maybe he'd be a, bit, be a good bridge QB for a team. Maybe a team's, oh, maybe we want to tank for a year. Let's take a guy who can try and not look too bad. It doesn't look like we're tanking on purpose sort of thing. Uh, just because I think he'll struggle. I'm not not gunning the guy. I'm, I'm sure he's a very nice bloke. He's not like that Spencer Rattler who kicked my nan. Um, but yeah, I, I do think he, he's got a lot of traits that would be good as a backup or a journeyman quarterback. I think his ceiling is Josh McCown, but his floor is Josh Rosen. Mm, interesting. He's um, he's such an interesting guy, um, prospect because he, he just... He already feels a little bit like a journeyman. I don't know. He must have played more than 40 games at uh, Texas A&M. And uh, it's just, form just yo-yos with him so much. And then uh, at the, uh, he had the senior bowl, we had a pretty decent senior bowl. Throwing drills were all right. And then in the game, he got the, the MVP of the senior bowl. And uh, I just thought, oh, no, don't do that. Because that's just him. Fl- he's flattering to deceive again. And <laughs> it just sums him up. It sums him up in his career at Texas A&M really, really well. And um, he needs a good uh, offensive system, a good offensive coach. And he's shown the, the tools that he will be effective. It, it, the mental side it, from now on is kind of up to him. If he can be coachable, if he can learn the new system that he's going to be put into, then, yeah, he's good. He, He's certainly shown that he can he can put drives together. He can win games. It, um, he's another guy, like I said, repeat myself. He's going to be really interesting to watch. See how he see how he progresses. He's certainly a lot better than Johnny Fan controlled football. I'll say that. <laughs> I mean, I mean that guy was electric at college, but I I, I think it re- that guy liked partying and 
you know, hanging out with Justin Biebs a lot more than he did playing football. And that's what I like in Kellen Mond. A big thing that you should be looking at at quarterbacks who are coming out of college is their maturity and how they handle situations. Now, I know we talk about Alabama quarterbacks are really set up for it with Nick Saban. Like he doesn't let freshmen talk to media and that sort of thing. But Kellen Mond has been nothing but a consummate professional throughout his entire college career. He's been there for a long time. And like Liam said, he does kind of feel like a journeyman already. But, you know, that that speaks to who he is. He he has very milk toast takes on things and he has very he, he knows how to handle media correctly and he knows the right things to say. So I think if like I said, he's a very Josh McCown type. He's never gonna go out there and wow you with his talent or he'll make one, two, three amazing plays a season. He's never gonna be an MVP sort of guy besides at the senior bowl sponsored by, you know, Reese's pieces, which says all you need to know. Uh but he he's a very you know, he's going to be a very adequate backup. And the thing I like about it is I mean, he can lead men and he can do everything in the locker room. Yeah, awesome. Like I say, yeah, going to be day three, see what see what happens with him more than anything. But uh, yeah, good shout. Good shout. Rob, finish us off with your sleeper. I will finish you off by talking about a white quarterback who's good with his feet and a dual threat quarterback. Who am I talking about? No, it's not Sam Ellinger, but it's Zach Thomas. <laughs> no, I'm not talking about Zach Thomas either. I'm talking about a guy called Peyton Ramsey, quarterback for Northwestern. Um, he's going to be an undrafted free agent. I'm not going to not going to sugarcoat it and say he's going to be drafted because I don't think he will be. Uh, Three star recruit in 2016 class from Elder High School, Cincinnati, Ohio. Must be near you, Kieran, I should think. Uh, um, uh, had a few offers coming out of, of college, uh, coming out of high school, uh, Illinois, Bowling Green, Boston College, Wake Forest, and Buffalo were the big ones. But he committed to Indiana, obviously another big school um, in the Big Ten. As a freshman, he started eight games and did admirably, uh, earning the starting role for his sophomore year, where he threw for 240 yards per game within the career high of 19 touchdowns in 12 games. Junior year, played 11 games, had 147 less attempts on the season, only 13 touchdowns, wasn't very good, and subsequently lost his starting job to Michael Penix Jr. Um, so he decided to transfer, uh, transferred to Northwestern uh, because he was a grad transfer. He was allowed immediate eligibility, so he didn't have to sit for a year, which was great. Uh, and last year, he had a, had a fairly good year for Northwestern. Obviously, we you know Northwestern had a great year last year, one of their best for, for many moons. Um, and he was the quarterback for him. Um, he was he had 1733 yards over the nine games 12 touchdowns which just shy of 200 yards per game um best rushing uh, season for him as well 30 yards per game three touchdowns um like i said he's a dual threat guy he's not a big flashy dual threat guy he's not a justin fields but he gets it done he reminds me a lot of um Bryce Perkins, who plays for the Rams now, I think. Uh, he was, uh, was he Virginia Cavaliers quarterback, wasn't he? Uh, and Manny Wilkins as well, the, uh, who was the predecessor for Jaden Daniels at, at, at ASU. Um, he's that kind of guy. Uh, you know, not, not great arm, but pretty good with his legs. Um, and he's got a sort of a... Yeah, he got quite good all-round ability. Um, his talent didn't blow anywhere away, any, anyone away at college. But, um, you know, I think it's fair to say that he outperformed his ranking coming out of high school, which was 1,110. He was ranked 1,110th coming out of high school. And I think he's done fairly well for himself. Uh, pros and cons. He's got good mentality with a winning spirit uh, and good confidence. He's got good footwork and poise. He moves the ball well. He's got good field vision, active feet in the pocket, accurate on short to medium passes, 
the cons and I'm pretty much mirroring what Liam said about about his guys. It's arm strength in his consistency downfield. He's not got a big deep ball. Um, he's a very dink and dunk passer, um, which he's good at. And despite being a decent runner, it, doesn't have the greatest athleticism. He's not going to be jumping over any players anytime soon, but he can sort of wiggle through them. So he's a good fun watch. He's not going to get drafted. He's going to be picked up as a as a uh, UDFA and he'll go on a practice squad. And who knows, players like Ben DiNucci and like I said, Bryce Perkins and whatever, you know, they, they do get on rosters. So it's a guy to look out for because I think he will uh, get on a practice squad at least and he could have a chance one day. I can confirm for you, Rob, as well. I am mm. less than five miles away from Elder High School, so very go. local. So, yeah, basically, he's your next one over. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, no, it was quite good, actually, that we didn't actually step on any toes. I thought we were actually going to, because the QB class isn't actually that deep, but we did really well. It actually happened a lot less than I thought it would throughout this series. I think it was only a couple of times, which is excellent stuff. Obviously, we're scouting far and wide, so, yeah, well done to us. Let's get out of here. Let's get some candles given out. And uh, yeah, let's uh, let's get out of here. Rob, we'll start with you. Uh, you can find me at F... No, you can't find me there. That's my old handle. <laughs> my new handle is at NFL Britballer. I was so used to say NFL Britballer. Um, yeah, do go check it out because there's going to be more stuff coming about the draft guide, of course. Uh, we haven't plugged that yet, yet, so I'll get that in now. Um, there's going to be some, yeah, some profiles coming up there shortly on my Twitter as we ramp up. Um, yeah, looking forward to the next couple of weeks. It's going to be busy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, obviously a lot of um, releasing more details as time goes on about the draft guide, but pre-orders in about a month's time out with, no, less than that, less than that. Yeah, way less than that. Pre-orders will be in two weeks' time. Yeah, two weeks' time, that's right. And then uh, we're going to be releasing in uh, early April, maybe even late March. But yeah, like I say, keep um, looking at, at CFB, at full-time yard CFB, sorry. And we'll be able to give you more deets on that um, in the coming weeks. Kieran, where can we find you? At the Himbo F10Y. Uh, yeah, respecting women and cultivating mustaches. Sounds, sounds like a wicked combination. Um, where, where else we find you? We obviously doing your Kieran's corner. We saw some artwork coming out for that. Yes, uh, going into this off-season, I think in a couple of weeks we'll be doing some video content. You'll get to see my lovely moustache and my beautiful face on camera on almost a weekly basis. I will do whatever we need to do to get people through the depressing time that we call the off-season and possibly touch on some FCS matchups as they have been a lot of fun this past week. Mm. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, we might dip into that as we as we go through past uh, the, the spring and the summer. Liam, what about yourself? Uh, I'm on Twitter at Liam66NFL. Anything NFL, college football, but mainly now just everything uh, draft as we get closer and closer to the NFL draft. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely, this was the same for all of us, really, including myself, at Wakefield90. And like I say, we can be found uh, as a group. Uh, it's usually me behind the handle um, at Full Yard CFB. For all your draft card needs and all your college football needs as well. So yeah, thanks for listening. Uh, we'll see you next time. Next week will be mock draft. We've got a new person joining us as well, a new permanent member of the team. So yeah, join in, join us for that. Uh, but yeah, like I say, see you next time. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the podcast. For all your football needs, check out our website, full10yards.com, or follow us on Twitter at full10yards CFB. And remember. Keep those eyes peeled.